Good morning, Crossbridge family, and welcome to Crossbridge Online. It's so good to be with you. And if you're a guest with us today, I especially want to welcome you and say thank you so much for joining us from wherever it is that you are. And I want you to know that my hope and my prayer for you is that no matter where you are in your faith, that you would be able to take one step towards Jesus because that's what we are all about here at our church. And I'm excited because you may have jumped in on the very first week of a series called The Difference a Year Can Make. And this is a series where we're going to be looking at what can happen in a year. And normally, I'll tell you, I, I plan and I prep our times together when we're going to be looking at the Word of God and I try to write everything out and I, I study it, I, I kind of practice it a bunch of times so it feels natural. But today might feel a little bit different and I, and I just feel like I should be upfront about that with you because Today's time together as we look at the Word of God and we look at the difference a year can make in our story at Crossbridge, I feel like a lot of this story is still being written. But today, it might sometimes feel like, um, I don't know if you've ever had someone, you know, maybe an older grandparent tell you a story of way back in the day. And as they begin to tell the story, they're eyes just begin to wander and you could tell that they're lost in their own thoughts and pauses happen because they're in a moment that you're not in. And as I've looked back at the last year in the life of our church and in our community, I'm just telling you I may get lost because there's times that my brain settles in a memory that, that maybe you're not part of yet or you've been a part of and, and it's hard, but so much of this year I feel like it was just overwhelming. It was a lot. And it really started right here. If you're joining us for the first time, this is my living room. This is a place where 52 weeks ago, I stood in this exact spot to tell you that for a short time, we would be going virtual and we would see you on Facebook. There's a place for you because we thought it would be a few weeks. We thought this would be a short time. I thought that this chapter in our church's story was going to be a short one and we would be back to doing what we're doing. There's no way I thought we'd be doing this a year. Plus, I just didn't. Nothing prepared me for what we were about to step into as a community. And so part of what we look at together is actually, um, you may feel a sense of rawness to this, but that's kind of how I felt about this year. And, and, and it hasn't really felt like a year, has it? Please tell me that, that, that it hasn't felt like a year to you. To me, it feels like we took a decade worth of time, opened up an Instapot, put it in the Instapot. We decided to add a large dose of fear, a massive amount of racial um, tensions, political unrest. We added like a cup of uncertainty, certainty, and, and then we decided to shut it and put it on high pressure for 52 weeks and pop I don't even know how long the release would be on that baby, but, but we're talking like this was an unbelievable year that feels like we could have said, do you remember in the 2020s when these things happened? Instead, we could say, do you remember in 2020 when that happened? We don't get a decade. We have a year to work off of. And 
it feels like so much longer than a year, but at the same time, it doesn't even feel like a year, does it? Sometimes I don't understand how time works, that it could feel so long and so short at the same exact time, yet this is where I stand today, and it's hard to tell a story of something that feels like it's decades long, but at the same time, it's a blink of an eye. But a lot has happened this year in Crossbridge, for better and for worse. For the next four weeks, we're going to look at how a year can change things. Next week, I want to make sure, just ask you to be here with me at 10 o'clock because there's going to be an interview between me and uh, one of my really good friends who it's just a shoulder-to-shoulder, socially distant interview where you'll get a chance to hear about our church and our district, but at the same time, you'll probably see a different side of your pastor than you expect because I realize it's hard for me to put a filter on when I'm with my friends. And so you'll see how this year looked for me and how I pastored, and it was hard. But today, today is your story. Today is about what happened in your lives for us as a church, which is one of the reasons that we sent out that year in review survey, if you remember. And many of you, so many of you filled that out. And I just want to say thank you because as I read through all of the comments, all of the ideas, all of the things that you saw, I realized that there was so much information about good and bad, people who have taken massive steps in their faith and people who are like, I feel like I've retreated. It has been everywhere. So when you begin to look at all of this year, where do you even start to tell this story? How do you tell what happened? And I'd love to quote a poet named Malcolm Gate, who says this in his poem, Through the Gate. Begin the song exactly where you are, for where you are contains where you've been and holds the vision of your final sphere. Begin the song exactly where you are, because it contains where you've been and has a vision for the future ahead. I love this because I think if I look at the church that we are at right now to tell the story of where we've been, I'm actually unbelievably proud of our church. To sit today, right now, some of you are listening from your living rooms, from your cars, or wherever you are, and then there's a whole set of you who find yourself at the Classy Cow today listening as well. And as a church, we are scattered more than we have ever been. That's where we are now. And yet at the same time, we are all in the same place, and that is not at our home at Kingsway High School. Kingsway High School has been such a part of our story from the very beginning, and yet we're not there right now. And and we've contacted the high school again. They've been so amazing with us and keeping us kind of updated this week Hey, we know schools are buzzing about getting back in person five days a week. We're getting all the surveys. We see all the things. Is there a place for us? And they've said, thank you for your patience. We have no idea when outside groups are going to be allowed in yet. And so we're all in the same place of waiting to kind of go home. And I think they want us there as bad as we want to be there because we're part of their story too. We love their staff. We pray for them. But I believe as your pastor... I need to tell you that I can honestly stand before you today and tell you that my heart and my soul right now resonate with what the Apostle Paul says when he writes to the church in Philippi 
He hasn't seen them. They're 30 days journey away and he's writing a thank you note to them. And this is how he starts this beautiful letter, starting in verse three of chapter one. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard until now. And I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it's right that I should feel as I do about all of you. For you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment. Okay, we'll pause. I'm not in prison. I get that. But the last years kind of felt like it. So we could kind of put that in there. Or maybe we could say, you know, you share with me my special favor with God, both in my quarantine or self-imposed, you know, isolation. And in defending and confirming the truth of God's news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. Family, our story this year contains highs, it contains lows, it's moments of pure joy and also complete despair. But as I look back like Paul to look ahead at our story, I thank God for you because as a church, you have brought such joy to my life and I am 100% positive that God has been at work in you this year. I am a proud pastor who boasts about God's work in your life and through our church. I boast about you with every opportunity I have. And I'm so proud to pastor this church. But our story today begins with you, the individuals who make up our family. And what's funny is, is the group who would have been together a year ago is not necessarily the group who's watching this right now. In the last year, part of our story contains families who have left Crossbridge. They've not liked our direction, maybe what we've talked about, where we stand on something. And they have found other churches or maybe they've left church altogether. And each of those names is a scratch and a scar on our hearts because we love every family who comes in here. And yet at the same time in the last year, some of you have no idea what it was even like to be in person at the high school because this is all you know and you're part of our family just as much and in connection. And, and I'm so glad that you're part of our community now. But our song today, at least the way that I would tell it, is so deeply tied to the very beginning of 2020 before our world imploded. When 2020 kicked off, I, I almost felt like a wave was building. You know when you go to the shore, I can't wait to get back down there again. And when you begin to jump in the waves and you're ready to catch a wave, so you're out there jumping and you're waiting. And then you see the wave that is bigger than the other waves, the wave that you're thinking, if this breaks just right, I'm gonna ride it all the way into the shore. And and you can't wait and you begin to jump the other waves and I felt like as a church we were jumping the other waves and all of a sudden in the beginning of the year we began to jump this wave that was coming and, and the undertow was strong. You know it's gonna be a good wave. And we began to look and we were, I don't know if you remember, but we were soaping 
Acts and Nehemiah in the beginning of 2020, talking about walls and the church was exploding and it was so cool. And there was this momentum that God was up to something in Crossbridge. He was preparing us for something. The undertow pulled us up as we started a series called Crossbridge in Motion, which was playing right off of Acts. As Acts was the church in motion, we felt like God was saying, I am providing a wave for you that is bigger than you could ever ride by yourself. Get ready for what I'm about to do. We began to see people getting plugged into small groups, being more committed to the word. I miss, now that I think about it, the beauty of communion every week around the table with you, cracking those little rice crackers. Do you remember them? I miss that taste. I miss your smiles around that table. And we were ready to go. And at the very end of February, it felt like we were about to start riding this wave from God that we had no control over, And there's no way that we would have known that March 8th, 2020 would be the very last time that we were all in person together. That this would be the last time our entire community, our family could be in person together. It was the last time. What I thought about in that moment was a massive wave taking us to shore, ended up crashing far sooner than any of us expected and slammed us into the wash of the wave. You know, if you ride it and it's not supposed to, it just turns you head over feet or head over heels and you just go, go, go. And you don't even know which way is up. And that was when it all happened. This thought came to haunt me this week, March 8th. 2020. Maybe because I'm a naturally introspective guy, I know it exhausts many of you because I just ask endless amounts of questions. But just thinking about that has led to a host of questions to how we got where we are. I didn't know that I wanted the answer to some of these questions, though. I guess any part of a good story, though, is the questions that get you thinking. Right? It's the tension that we create in a story. We don't all want to watch a movie or read a book that's just easy. There's a problem, right? But I began to ask questions like, if you had the chance to go back 53 weeks ago and prep yourself for what was about to happen, what would you say? How would you encourage yourself? How would you warn yourself? What would you say to yourself? How would you prep? What would you get ready? How much toilet paper would you buy? But can I tell you the question that haunted me to begin with? It stopped me in my tracks and I realized not everyone can ask this question and get an answer like I could. If you knew it was the last time with your church family and you could give them one last message to prepare them for the wave crashing on our world, what would you tell them? And in fear and in worry and in anxiety, I scrolled back to find our last in-person service. I wanted to know what I said. What did I leave you with to prep you for this year, not knowing it was our last time? 
Maybe some of you, it's like, I'd never go back. Ignorance is bliss. I'm happy I there's no record of what I've said. There's a record of almost everything I say. This is a problem for me. But I went back and I started it. And as I started it, I had to pause that message immediately because the preacher just didn't make sense to me. He had a beard. He had the color blue on. And then I realized that that was me. I wore color. I was in person. This was, look, I used a stage. We, when we were soaping Nehemiah, the message then was our second week of called Crossbridge in Motion. It was playing like off this wave, right? We talked in that series and in, in that message about the walls of Jerusalem had been torn down and Nehemiah was going back to build them up. And, and there's this enemy in the story, his name's Sanballat. And Sanballat begins to throw shade at all these workers who were just regular people. They're farmers or coppersmiths or moms and dads with their kids. Kids. And these are the people real rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And Nehemiah keeps encouraging, encouraging. But Sanballat's like, you're halfway done. I don't like where this is going. And so he begins to push so hard about how horrendous they are doing and says, not only are you doing bad, but I'm about to attack with an army so that you can't finish. And we talked so much in that message and I listened and it might sound weird, but I remember the words. I remember the jokes. I, I even got excited when I took the whiteboard out at the end of the message because there were certain phrases that I kept saying in that, that message that I had no idea I feel like in God's grace. He had me repeat things that I needed to hear a year later to remind you of today that this is where our story began to take us through this year. You know what I kept saying? It was three things. The first thing I kept saying was, we need people at our backs, not people in our face. I pushed about how much we need each other in our lives, how essential it was for each of us to have our backs, you know, covered by other people that we knew were supporting us when we were falling in our faith, that they were ready to support us and move forward, that rebuilding any wall in our life is going to be hard. When we're broken, we need the reminder of God's love, His forgiveness. And, and yes, we need to be called away from the sin that's in our life. But enough's enough when it comes to judging people. What if we had each other's backs? I didn't know how important that'd be in our story. Then I kept saying, consistency will beat out intensity every time. In true Pastor Jimmy fashion, I raised my Bible up and I kept saying to people, we need to daily and consistently be in the Word of God, to, to daily and consistency take this and see how it impacts our small groups because that's what God is doing. We need to be with people and in the Word and consistency. We can all push hard for a little while, but we will get tired but life change doesn't happen with intensity. It happens one step at a time. And then the whiteboard came out and I drew a cross at the center with concentric circles coming out. And I placed different people in our family on that board. And I simply said, keep your eyes on Jesus at the center and keep taking steps towards Him. You laugh when I say this every week. You make fun of me for it. But what I am convinced is that we are all, 
in different places in our spiritual journeys. And it doesn't matter wherever you are, our aim is at Jesus and we just keep stepping. So it's important for us, and I said it then, that we stop looking around at everyone and stop judging them for where they are and instead be the person that has their back to point them again at Jesus and to say to others, follow me as I follow Christ. And even if someone stands on the opposite side of life as you do, you can look through Jesus to that person and see them through the lens of the cross, not through the lens of your preferences and when the service ended we celebrated communion together I felt as that service ended simultaneously heartbroken because we're not doing that today but I was grateful because I had an answer to my question if I could go back and I could tell you anything to get you ready for this year I would say the same exact thing to you. I wouldn't change a word. I would change how we did communion, but I wouldn't change a word of what the context of that message is. Our story, though, crashed. Not on March 8th, but actually on March 11th. It was a Wednesday night, and I remember we had had a staff meeting on Monday or Tuesday, and we were like, there's really no chance we're shutting church down like this isn't that big of a deal we'll be fine but just in case we'll make a plan or two and Wednesday night I left my small group men's group that I dearly love we were meeting at the Michaels house in Mullica Hill and we were at that house and we were all joking having no idea what was going on I got in the car and I turned on the news to kind of hear what was going on and that's when our country started to take things seriously it wasn't that the NBA stopped and it wasn't that March Madness was moved there was one moment that caught our country it was when we realized that Tom Hanks had the Rona. When Tom Hanks got the Rona, it was like, America's dad is sick. We need to take this seriously. He's in Australia, can't get back, like shut everything down. And that's really when everything got shut down. This is when I saw the answer to the question in that survey of what did you learn most about Crossbridge? And this is when I saw it come into play. Our staff and our church as a whole is wildly talented and unbelievably adaptable. You know, I watched in that moment where production of an online service went into full swing and everyone was invited to join us for a couple of weeks online as it blew over. We began a very clear season of intensity at that moment. Our board, our elders, they began to pray and to encourage us as a staff, Becky jumped into reorganizing and finding some structure to our small group so that people had a place to meet both online and uh, none in person at that moment. Janine created this amazing tool to monitor our finances to make sure that if people were in need around us, we knew how to get them resources immediately, not knowing what was to come. I watched Sharon stand behind a camera and a laptop to create an environment that we were all excited to be a part of. It meant something to us. And I watched Will lead our youth and worship, but specifically our youth, in such a way that his first couple of weeks, he will never tell you this. But they were filled with churches and pastors all over the country reaching out to him to say, how did you do what you did and why are you doing this? Because we need to do it here. 
and time of intensity of updating our kids and coaching other pastors to reach more people for Jesus, it was intense for us. Everyone in our Zoom communities were filled with grace, forgiveness, lots of laughs when everything crashed, each time it crashed. Our song, our story of Crossbridge had adaptability built into it. It, was, it. it almost felt like if it was a song at the end of a good jam session when you're at a concert, like when Dave Matthews' band just keeps going and you're like, oh, they're just having fun now. They're adaptable. We felt this adaptability, but it was intense. And let's be real though. We were all staring at a broken wall wondering, what in the world are we supposed to rebuild? We couldn't keep jamming forever. Our work and our lives for all of us as a church was intensity, but it was not sustainable. There was no consistency to the intensity. And I'm not sure when, but there was a time when we began to realize that a new chapter was being written in our story. Same book, but something new was happening. Almost like a new verse or a new chorus that we began to sing. Kingsway was very clear that we were not going to have a home for a while. We didn't know how long, but we knew that that wasn't a part of our wall that we could rebuild. New Jersey, I love our state, but they changed rules every 30 minutes. And when we made a decision, things changed and it just kept causing us headaches, panic attacks, and our leadership was frying. And by about Memorial Day weekend, much of our culture's grace, the silliness of what this was had all been used up. We were all tired of this and ready for it to be over. And that's when the difficulty of racial tensions in our country began to explode and it led right into the politics of all that people believe and all of this on top of an already tired church. You know that in that season, everyone, everyone in our church, you had an opinion, strong opinions on masks, social distancing, race, politics. And, and the hard part was, and maybe you don't know this, but most of you expected us as your staff, especially for Pastor Will and I as your pastors, to be on the same page that you were on. You might not know this, but it took a huge toll on us. It's probably not seen on screen because it was put together really well, upbeat, we could do this. But our souls as a leadership team were pretty bruised. Um, we love and we pray for every family at Crossbridge by name. Every name matters in our church. And while we knew that there was broken parts of our wall, there was a season when it felt like there were far more people in our faces than at our backs. And to tell you the truth, I'm unbelievably proud of our team. I'm so proud of our team. I can tell you throughout this year that we did the absolute best we could with what we had in front of us. When things shifted, we tried. We worked so hard with what we had. But I'm sorry when that didn't meet some of your expectations. 
And just so you know, some of the expectations you had for us weren't realistic for anybody. Just like it's not for the schools, for government, for people around us, these expectations that we've put on people, it's like, that's not fair. Our world was changing so fast that none of us could keep up. That includes us. And that's when we stopped and asked, we're done with intensity. How can we create consistency for our church? When everything's changing, how can we find solid ground to stand on? How can we make sure that our song for Crossbridge, if it starts where we are, how can we make sure that the next chorus and verse aren't dictated by changing rules, your opinions, their opinions, or when we can be back to what normal would look like. This is when we found our chorus. We went right back to making sure that this was not about when we would gather, but who was gathering together. It was no longer about trying to figure out what's the next steps a hundred ways down the line because it, wasn't, it didn't matter. We need to be reminded of who we are. Who's the people of our story? Who is our church? And that's why today I can look back like Paul did and tell you from the deepest part of my soul that I've seen the chorus lived out in your life this year. There are dark seasons for all of us, including our church this year, but the overwhelming sense of our story that I have is hopeful because we remembered who we are. And as I look through your surveys, as I look through our messages, as I look at our worship, as I look at all of the things that we do as a church to care and to give, I see the values that we have as a church lived out everywhere everywhere. And and if you're newer to Crossbridge, you probably don't know that we have values that guide everything that we do. And this was our story. The first value that we carry at Crossbridge is that we are unashamedly biblical. Unashamedly biblical. If the Bible says something about any topic or situation, we will always land here. If Jesus talks about it, we will talk about it. If Paul's going to write about it, we'll write about it. When we're reading through Jeremiah together, what are we doing? We're meeting in small groups to say, how does this impact today for you? Because we believe that this word of God is the only thing that we have to stand on, that these letters and these stories is everything to us. And if it says it, we will say it. And so we committed to soaping together. And I cannot imagine this year without soaping. I can't. You, you picked your three favorite books. In that survey, you told us what you loved reading. The one of you who liked First Kings, you're the only person. So kudos to you. You know who you are. But we, we, there was three books that stood out, and I think it tells us a lot about our church. Number two and number three were actually Mark and Acts, or Acts and then Mark. You love reading about the church, how it started seeing what was bubbling up. You love reading the biographies of Jesus. You want to know what he did and what he said. But do you know what your number one book was? It was Ephesians. 
It was Ephesians in our Pathway series when I taught about study. And for the first time for many of you, you didn't just read a book once and then move on to what was next. You read this letter three times last year, three times over. And you know what that letter's about? That letter is about Jesus. That letter is about unity. That letter is about working together to figure life out in community. It's no surprise to me that this is your favorite book because it's the desire of our heart and our story at Crossbridge. We will preach that every day and be unashamedly biblical. As we write our story, we will continue to be unashamedly biblical. Our second value that we carry at Crossbridge that I saw in your surveys and in our story is that we are and aim to be intentionally relevant. When Jesus walked, which is why I think you love the biographies, when he walked with um, on the earth with all of these people, he was looking around and telling stories about what he saw in nature, in buildings, in communities. He saw people right where they are and didn't expect them to have this high-end education, but instead he paused and said, right where you are, women, children, let me tell you a story that you'll understand. And he told these parables and told all of these amazing things. He was so relevant. And when Paul wrote all of these letters to these churches, we know where those churches are. And so did Paul. So he wrote them specifically to them and said, where you are matters. We jumped to being virtual a week before any other churches in our area really jumped. So many said we won't go there yet, but we did because we love you. We love our community. And the truth is we knew that's where everyone was going to be. And if we're going to care for our neighbors and be relevant in that sense, then that's where we went. As I look back at all of the message series that we did while we were virtual and are virtual, it's every one of them spoke to where we were at that time. And some of them were like crazy hard. They were like in your face and you kept coming back. Your three favorite series this year, the first one was Pathways. 10 weeks of learning about practical steps that you could take in your relationship with Jesus. Your second one was things Jesus never said, which was a commitment to what he really did say in the Gospels. And the last one was love thy neighbor. That was number three. How can you pay attention to who's next to you? Crossbridge, do you see what this is? This is our vision of loving God, loving people, serving the world. How can I do all that I can to love God? How can I do all I can to love the people around me by committing to what Jesus said? Crossbridge, our story is in the words of Jesus. This is who we are. This is what you said was the most impactful series to you. Do you see why I'm so encouraged? It tells me that we're a church who wants to grow in their faith wherever you are and take your step towards Jesus. As we write our story in this next year, we will continue to be intentionally relevant. Our third value is that we are relationally transparent. Um, if you have not figured this out yet, Crossbridge is a messy place. Even virtually, it's a messy place. And when I mentioned some of those families leaving Crossbridge and individuals leaving Crossbridge, I understand why they've left. And it's because we talk about hard things. That there's really no topic we will not address if the Bible talks about it. But sometimes it's just easier not to ask those questions because the answers are too hard. I don't like every answer that I come up with or that we come up with when we search scripture, but I'm committed to them. 
and I will live by them. And as a church, we will call each other towards a life pursuing Jesus. I'm so grateful that this year so many of you jumped into small groups. Our small groups were more attended this year than they've ever been. Shifting to online completely and then moving to some virtual, some in person with you know the right measure set up. Our groups were filled with people from all over South Jersey and even people from around the world. Groups where we were allowed to really be ourselves and honestly kind of lose it. Show me, just go ahead and give me an amen if you lost it at some point this year. You lost, like you're just, I, I can't do this anymore. I, I'd put eight hands in there right now with all the breakdowns that I had in all of this because it was crazy. But I was so thankful I had that group of men. Groups where we knew that people had our backs, not just being in our face. And, and if you were in a small group, you know exactly what I'm talking about right now. This is what helped you get through this year, is being able to lay it out there and be loved for who you are, not pretending to be something else. And if you didn't have a small group, I have no idea how you made it through this year. You must be exhausted, your soul is bruised, and you are lonely because you need other people to love you right where you are and point you towards Jesus. This is relational transparency. If you don't have a group, you need a group to get through this year because it's gonna be hard getting back into all this too. And in those groups, we will always be relationally transparent. This is who we are. It's part of our story. The fourth value that we carry is being Holy Spirit empowered. We talked a lot about this in our 40 days of prayer series in the beginning of the year and just the idea that each of our steps this year, every step has felt like labor, hasn't it? It feels like walking in mud that's up to your knees and you know when you can't step right so you gotta kinda do those and you're like, how many of these steps can I take? And each one of those has been fueled by the Holy Spirit for us. Time committed to the words so that the Holy Spirit can remind us in times of frustration about the words of Jesus. The verses in the Psalms, that we need these things that the Holy Spirit brings these to our remembrance. I know that this year that some of you lost loved ones and we prayed like crazy for healing all, all over our church community and our family. And yet I've done more funerals than I've ever done in my life. I don't think I could have done that without being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And yet some of you sit on the opposite side of that fence where you've had family in the hospital that you can't get to see, that you cannot be around, and you're begging for healing and, and calling me or someone else on staff. But I, I've gotten those calls that said, it's about hospice time. Should we start planning the funeral? And yet you may be watching right now because God's healed you. Because the Holy Spirit has, has brought healing to your life and you're with your family watching. I don't know why God chooses to do that in some cases and not in others, but what I know is that every step that we have to take, whether it's through loss or through healing, can only come through being empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's our lifeblood. I cannot wait till we can continue to worship big together. That way and pray this way. It just, it will be amazing, but being empowered by the Holy Spirit is how we take every step. This is our story. This is our values. The last value that we carry is being family focused. And I felt like this is the hardest one for our church this year. 
there was one area that took the hit, I, I get it. And that's simply because I told you before, you all had opinions on what should be done, shouldn't be done, and it kinda was really hard when we stepped into this. And I know that, that Will will have the opportunity to tell you about the story of CB Youth on Palm Sunday, and it's a story that I'm so proud of, of how he led and what God did in that ministry, and it didn't please everybody. We're not going to. But CB Kids took a hit in this, and as a family-focused church, um, I felt like even 2020 in the last 12 months has really hit our kids hard. And it's not just on a church level, but on a world level, on a cultural level. I, I don't understand how the education that they're getting now is going to impact their future, the social dynamics of, you know, kids who haven't been around other kids, all of those pieces. I don't, I don't know the details of all that, but I know that everyone's been trying and it's been hard. And you make a decision and people are happy. You make a decision and people are mad that there was no decisions that we could make in this world that felt like it was working. And I know that Becky felt this in the and we sat so many times trying to figure out what else could we do? What else could we try? And it just felt like nothing was working. Even to the point when we were like, we have an idea, but we need volunteers who could do this online after the service. Let's try this. Crossbridge, who can help? And everyone was too tired. No one wanted to learn a new Zoom thing when we already are Zoomed out. Right now we're in a place where it's three or four volunteers who are upholding CB Kids. Thank you. Thank you. But as we move forward as a church to keep this value, we're gonna need each other. We're gonna need to step up together to create an environment for our kids and as we move to begin to go back in person when um, the rules change and we're allowed to do all those things, Many of you know Becky's transitioning out of the CB Kids role into a more administrative role helping uh, kind of organize my brain and keep us locked and loaded as a church to keep going forward. And we're going to begin looking for a new CB Kids director. I want them to know that they are loved, that they are valued, that there are people here to support our kids because we will be a family-focused church. As we move forward, we will be family-focused, but we need to take on this burden together. These are our values. This is who we are. What will we look like a year from now as a church? Well, begin the song exactly where you are. For where you are contains where you've been and holds the vision of your final sphere. I am humbled today as your pastor by where we are. I've been looking back at where we've been and I can see where God has shaped us and I will tell you that we're still on his wave. We are riding something that he is doing that we cannot control. And just after Paul tells the church how thankful he is for them, he, uh, he prays an amazing prayer over them. And so to close today, and this point in our story, not knowing what the next year looks like, I would love for you as a church, would you please stand with me wherever you are, in your living rooms at Classy Cow, wherever, and, and would you receive this blessing that Paul had for a church that he was so thankful for? Would you receive this and stand with me now? Crossbridge, I, I do love you. I'm thankful for you. 
I'm grateful for your story and uh, it really does show the difference a year could make. Receive this prayer. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. And may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Amen. I love you guys. Can't wait to be with you again next week.